0: Sales tuners, episode 64, Richard Vis, Senior Learning and Development Executive at Staples.
1: So people coming in and do the sales job within a within a year. Uh, when they're successful, you see an attitude shift. Uh, when they're not successful, you also see an attitude shift. So um, within a year there are successful. This is
0: Sales Tuners with Jim Brown. The only weekly show where we talk about the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques that get sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. It's time. It's time. It's Sales Sooners time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Bruce Springsteen, who said, getting an audience is hard. Sustaining an audience is harder. Both demand a consistency of thought, of purpose, and of action over a long period of time. Today's guest is Richard Viss, Senior Learning and Development Executive at Staples. Headquartered in Amsterdam, Richard covers 17 European countries, providing many workplace products and services. Over the last 23 years, he's held pretty much every role in sales from new business to client success to managing and even coaching. Before we dive in, I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsors. You've heard me talk about them for a couple of months now, but you have to check out Costello. It's a deal management platform that aligns frontline sales reps, managers, and VPs so they can work together to consistently close more deals. They help reps get the right deal information from prospects, give reps and managers visibility into the quality of every deal, and help sales leaders understand what's working and what's not. Check it out at andcostello.com. That's A-N-D-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O.com. Make sure you stick around until the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. You can check out all the links and show notes at salestuners.com slash 64. But now, let's get to the conversation where Richard talks about the hobby his wife wishes he'd give up collecting video game consoles
1: I started uh, with my first console in 1978 it's the first console that i had and since then i'm a big fan of gaming and i collect all brands and kinds of from nintendo consoles to atari you, you name it i've got them uh, i got them at home so uh, <laughs> and it keeps on going it keeps on going
0: so what was that first one was it a coleco vision
1: Exactly. Yes. In, in Europe, we called it the Philips Video Pack. But uh, no, no, the, the Colecovision is another brand. I also got that one. Uh, but I, got, I started with the Philips Video Pack.
0: Okay. All right. And what's your, what's your favorite console to date?
1: Philips Video Pack.
0: Really? Going all the way back to the beginning?
1: Yeah, still still I got I got a few Xboxes at, at home, so an Xbox One S for, for my own kids and I also play on that platform. But uh I'm a big still a big fan of the Video Pack and that's based on uh on my own experience in the past. So it, it creates an atmosphere of recognition from the stuff that I did in the past. And I think in the States it was sold on an I like the the name was Odyssey. So it was branded as Odyssey.
0: I know you uh, started out your career as uh, a computer programmer, so I can definitely see uh, that correlation right there. So Richard, look, as you know, uh, in this show, we talk about the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques. And it was that topic that actually allowed me to find you. I was out just doing some research for the show and uh, saw that you had made some comments on uh, you know some other people's LinkedIn posts. And so that's, again, how we were connected. And being that you uh, are in Europe and from Amsterdam, I wanted to connect with you just to see how maybe we apply that a little bit differently there. So let's start by this. Tell me about your sales process today? What do you actually do at Staples? And and why does a typical customer buy from you?
1: My role is sales coach, sales trainer. I'm responsible for the learning and development part of getting people on board into the Staples Solutions philosophy. Uh, What we're constantly doing, we're searching for solutions. And so we do solution-based selling to provide services that people are are not aware of or didn't think of. And we, we try to challenge, if necessary, or to adapt to the the current need. So I'm part of of the onboarding of new people, evolving, training, uh, let let existing sales force excel in in the expectations that the clients have about us. I'm part of a lot of projects internally in in the transition because Stable Solutions is also in a transition at the moment. The market is changing. The demand, what people expect from us, is is changing, and we want to be ahead of the game. So there's a lot of stuff going on.
0: So you you say solution-based selling. What I've started to learn is that there are a lot of different definitions of solution-based selling. So when you're coming to market as staples, obviously that's a well-known brand, but what does that solution sell mean for you? What are you guys doing to open up new opportunities inside of uh, companies?
1: It's about listening to the needs of the customers, uh, Jim. So we did a lot of investigation. it's an ongoing. So we have a lot of meetings with clients, open conversations, about where we can can fit in into their buying process and where we can provide solutions and where they see chances. So it's all based on the needs of our clients. and we see a rapidly increasing needs of solutions. So people are consolidating suppliers, consolidating services and and, and low cost value. Uh, Low-cost products uh, uh, also are combined with a lot of indirect costs, so they're trying to uh, to decrease that part. So uh, the products that we have is one thing, the solutions that enable us to deliver it to the clients is where we are making big steps at the moment
0: okay, and from a product based standpoint i would I would think that you know Amazon or the concept of Amazon would be a big competitor to you guys. so how cause how do you get someone to realize that there's something better for them to just going online and ordering those products? Again, I understand solutions are a completely different thing, but how are you repositioning uh, staples today in the in the likes of an Amazon?
1: Now, the difference uh, from uh, fr- from approach, especially from a European uh, point of view, that we got consultants and we call it consultants or advisors that uh, that come in and have conversation with very big companies and talk about process. Talk about how it's how it's how it's currently going. How how things tend to be moving through through their organizations. How how do they get a pencil from A to B? How do they get the toilet paper from A to B? Uh, the very basic products. But if you look at the, the process surrounding it, there are a lot of opportunities to uh, decrease uh, the indirect costs, and that is where we can make a difference based on a lot of it. You know, everybody can can sell a pencil. Uh, but how to get it through your organization to, in 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 combination with the lowest integral costs? Uh, I think that's the trick where where the clients uh, are, see a lot of benefits from staples.
0: So it's a lot more than just having a package show up at your door. It's truly the transformation of the organization throughout all of their locations and all the facilities and things like that.
1: It's actually quite easy coming in, and if clients are willing enable to create a business case to see which components all sit within the process that make the total cost of ownership for each and every product they actually uh, are using in, in their company. We can sell anything that's within the office except the people in the building on its own. So if you turn around, turn around the, the building and everything that falls out of it, it's deliverable by, by staples. And, and that, is the, that is the biggest power that we have.
0: Well, maybe a, a new product line extension would be you selling the people to them as well. That might be something new.
1: Uh, there are a lot of conversations <laughs> going on in the background, so yeah, it, it, it's part of the future. So if sure. if, if it's if that's a benefit for the client, anything is possible Jim. Well,
0: it's funny. I was only joking about that. But yeah, I totally could see, you know, once you're integrated <laughs> uh, at that level, I could see it being an option. So uh, Richard, let's, you know, I, I want to unpack this a little bit more with what you're doing today because you're doing a whole bunch of different stuff that I find fascinating. But but take me way back. How did you actually get into sales?
1: I started as a computer programmer in the beginning of the 90s and computer programming was booming. Uh, so I, I studied that. I started uh, programming at a very big company, and I was sitting in the office for five days and weeks after weeks and programming and programming. in those days it was not very interactive. It was all based on uh, on an uh, on a black and white screen, and the communication was was not that big, so it was a very quiet room that was sitting. So I died almost over there. I was intrigued about hardware and talking about uh, solutions and intrigued about the big steps in those days that that uh, automation made. So I made a transition uh, from computer programming to sales. And I started at a computer supplies company selling uh, computer stuff to big companies.
0: It's interesting. I've had more than uh, what I would have imagined, both uh, computer engineers or computer programmers and electrical engineer on the show. And what I'm hearing is that it's just that process-based methodology that allows them to transition over into sales and look at it totally as that Process. It's like if we do this and we do that and then we do X, it's going to happen on the end. Is that? Have you seen similar types of things in your experience?
1: Uh, yes. The strange thing is that I I I I was not aware of the fact that, that the impact of process within also sales was that big. So I I learned to work in process because if you're computer programming, everything is 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 put into process. How you do it, how you create the program, how you talk with people. So process is in the middle of it. But also, but I just found recently, and recently is talk about 12 years ago, uh, when I started to work for a very big company, and then I all of a sudden came aware that everything is is also put into a process. If if you want to find out anything that goes wrong at the end of the process, sometimes you can fix it in the beginning. Uh, so that was an eye opener, to be honest, uh, in the later stage of my life.
0: That's been key for me as well in my career. I've always looked at the deals that I've lost, and when I didn't understand them. What I finally realized, and this was through help, it wasn't all on my own, but Richard, obviously now you are, as you said, you're coaching, you're onboarding, you're training reps uh, to go out into all of Europe, uh, you know, covering more than 17 countries now. What are you, what's the biggest thing that you have to do to people to get them to see that process that you're talking about?
1: So I'm constantly looking for something to make it broken before I can build it up again and give support. If you look at uh, their attitude, and it's an attitude thing, uh, a lot of young people uh, were very, very inspired and and came on, you know, they studied a lot. They come in at 24, 25. They got a certain attitude, and the attitude is, you know, we we live in a consumption uh, world, and people who consume a lot uh, tend to be shopping then for the next best thing within a very short time frame. So people coming in and do the sales job within within a year Uh, When they're successful, you see an attitude shift. Uh, When they're not successful, you also see an attitude shift. Within a year, they are successful and they want to be the manager uh, or they're not successful. And they try to move to another company because it's, you know, it it is not much a reflection to their own. So that that makes it very challenging uh, to get them up to the place where they could be. Because within sales, one year is very short. You can learn a lot. Uh, but I'm in sales now for, let's say, 25 years, and I still think I have to learn a lot. Um, so that that's, that's a different thing. I think that's the biggest challenge that we have at the moment.
0: It's funny, when I talk to good salespeople, I'll say really good salespeople, the ones who are the best know that they have to constantly be learning. The game is constantly changing around them. They have to seek improvement. The average ones who may still make a great living, they're the ones who just like, oh, I've got it. I just show up. I go through the motions. I do what I do, and my commission check comes out the other side. But I'm intrigued by what you were saying, Richard. The um, The attitude here in the United States is no different. They get right out of school. You said they study a lot. I would say they think they know it all, and they immediately – Want to be a a chief level executive? I want to be the chief revenue officer. Well, how about you earn your stripes a little bit and actually do some of the things that you do? You may under, you may think you understand the process, but until you can truly understand the why behind the process and be able to implement it for others, you have no idea what you're talking about, young lad. And uh, you know, as you said, they also those who fail, they just simply go to another company and try their hand again. And one of the things that I've been interesting—I don't know if you've seen um, this—where you are. But this concept of failing up or failing forward, so people they do just enough to get by at their organization and then they go and tell that story to the next company and they bring them at a little bit higher level they, again they do the basic minimum, then they fail up to the next level and all of a sudden they are maybe that that VP of sales or, or chief revenue officer and they've never accomplished anything.
1: I've seen a lot. I met a lot of people and uh, you know people who are not successful within company one. Uh, all of a sudden, our manager in company X, and then they move over to company Y. So uh, if you if you if you scroll down LinkedIn, you can see a lot of movements. It's not saying that everybody is the same or not successful. It can be also based on other uh, other facts. But if I see what happened in all those years and all the people that I met, uh, yes, people tend to be hopping over, then are successful and and doing their thing exactly like you just explained, Jim. And um, so that 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 makes them that makes them survive within sales. But that, 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 there's a market for that also, I think. It seems so.
0: Yeah, there definitely is. Not a good one, but there definitely is a market. When you're working with your reps to, to truly get them to prospect and break into uh, new accounts and new deals, because I know you've done every role in sales yourself, including that prospecting and hunting. What are you, to, what are you teaching uh, these days? What makes sense for you to be able to open up brand new accounts that are completely cold?
1: We are constantly qualifying. So the qualifying part, and it's a big subject, yeah? qualifying is is a bucket of a lot of stuff. Uh, for one person, it can be qualifying the right person. And for, for another person, it can be a lot more. For the staples, it's a very big thing. Uh, so we got a third 360 degrees qualifying program for, for all the clients that we want to serve. So we're searching for the right clients, for a good fit, where we can make the combination, where we can influence all the stuff that's going on before they going are going to market so we, we we try to step on board at the right time with the right people and we've got a lot of tools in place uh, to provide support for that linkedin is all, of course part of that process but there's a lot of surrounding it it consumes approximately or each and every 100, I think at the moment, 25 or 30% of their selling time is based on qualifying.
0: So talk to me more about that. what that qualifying means. It sounds like you know you, you mentioned this 360-degree qualification. Is this something beyond just creating that ideal customer profile? Or what are the steps that you're taking to qualify this? What makes sense for you?
1: But the great thing of Staples is we've got so much solutions um, that actually all the markets are a good fit for the solutions that we have. So big companies tend to be uh, decentralized, organized, and got multiple cost centers internally, and that's that that that's where we are gaining grip to provide better solutions. Then the next thing is we we want to qualify who is responsible for what, how the current process is, how who are current suppliers is, what solutions they are currently using, and so it so is this it's so much that comes into it. It's it's a very big subject the the training and the worship that we have for that part on its own consumes approximately five days to get them into motion, um, so it's a very big thing.
0: So five days to learn how to break into new accounts. Where do you guys typically get stuck? What's what's the the core uh, element of those five days where you spend the most time because either people don't get it or you just know how important it is.
1: The great thing of the approach that we have is that they are creating the things that they need on their own, so we're actually not telling them. Um, what they have to do. Uh, we're helping in guiding themselves what they think because they're intelligent. So we, we use their own intelligence to provide the road that they have to take. And it, the outcome is always the same. Because if you think about this subject uh, and, and, and you got a little bit sales sense, then, then you're going to steer it in, in, in the direction that everybody goes. So it's a very interactive approach where people uh, are guiding each other uh, to a format that they like to work on and that also creates adaptability of the stuff that is created so it's very intriguing to see that process over and over again
0: totally i really like this a lot because as you said when they create it on their own they now own it it's theirs they have no one else to blame but themselves for the tool bag that they they put together for themselves i really like that and that interactivity piece it's huge because if I come in you know, cause that's what I do as well. I train and coach uh, salespeople across many organizations, but if I come in and just give you the tools, the first thing that you tell me is these are wrong and you clearly don't know my audience or my business or my industry or anything along those lines. Exactly. So I just quit trying, right? I I just, I'm not going to bring those tools to you. I'm going to come and pull the tools out of you and you're going to be frustrated because you're going to think, just give me the answer. Just give me the question. What, what, what I need to say, but what has to happen is one, you have to develop those tools on your own. Then you have to take them out to the market and try them, bring them back and then have an iterative process to inc- uh, increase and improve uh, the productivity you have in your own tool. So really, really like how you're you're doing that with your team. Talk to me, Richard, about the, the coaching that you do. So once they're out in the field, what's that role that you play as a coach for them? Especially uh, focusing on the highest performing salespeople,
1: to see uh, how their attitude and how they interact with all the stuff that they learned and how to make it their own. So are they showing the right behavior in doing the stuff that they should be? Doing? So everything that you can observe and hear and feel. Uh, the feel part is of course not the biggest thing, but everything you can observe is is uh, what we what we measure and what we talk about. So that's part of the coaching program. We interact, we share, we record, we show. And we constantly make them aware what options they have to make the, the, those options also come to life. So, so learning one thing, it's about reading a book, and you can read a lot of books, but what did you take out of it and what did you make your own? Because it's, it's about skills. Uh, so knowing thing is one thing, but the next step is, is doing it and making it your own.
0: That concept of you can know information, but having to do it being completely separate. I like that a lot. Strategy versus uh, execution on there. Richard, you've told me, you know, I I know that you're a big fan of this concept, behaviors, attitudes, and techniques. It's what you live by and it's what you train to, but that hasn't always been uh, a part of your your, uh, MO, if you will. You weren't always aware of what those behaviors or attitudes should be. Talk to me about that. What was that discovery moment for you?
1: It been uh, now, I think six years ago, and the first time again, the English English colleague that I had talked with me about behavior, attitude, technique, and I was very intrigued, and we had a lot of conversations uh, about it. And all of a sudden, I became aware, so I, I started looking at behavioral style trainings like DISC Incorporated, and, and to start up the conversations about behavior, not from from I see you do something wrong and I don't like what you're doing, but open up the conversations about this is what I see. And this is the result that it gives you. And, and 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 is that based on the fact that is the techniques are not right? Is is, is it is it an attitude thing what goes on in the group? Or what is the impact of an attitude of one guy saying something? And what impact has that on the behavior of others? So the psychological part uh is is a big thing in the group process, in the personal process, in the training process. So seven year, approximately six to seven years ago. Was uh, it was yeah? I, I won't say eye opener because that means that my eyes were shut before that. But maybe for this subject, my eyes were shut in the past.
0: You know, I have a lot of people that ask me, Richard, to come in and and help. Their salespeople gain new skills. Teach them the ticks. Uh, I'm sorry, the tricks uh, or the techniques that are going to allow them to do the next thing. And I'm like, guys, 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 you got to stop. We cannot start there because first off, if you're just not even doing the right behaviors, no new techniques are going to make those behaviors better. But more importantly, if you don't have that right mental attitude it doesn't matter what you're doing because you're doing it from the position of of a different, you're just wrong. You're from a wrong position that you have to fix that uh, first. So I like that. But I think you also, Richard, you have a natural intrigue to you around what makes people tick. I mean, uh, you visit 17 other countries on a regular basis. Can okay, you truly want to understand those individuals, those locals? Talk to me more about that.
1: We're working as much as possible on adapting and listening. in what most people, it could be cultural difference. Uh, but I see from, from the experience that we have internally, that the cultural differences are not very big, especially not in Europe, there are differences, but a lot of things that, that, that makes, makes the clock tick or people tick or get into motion, That's very intriguing to, to, to work with and, and to see what happens in a room or in a one-on-one conversation, but also making people aware of the fact that, uh, that their own behavior you know behavior creates behavior but then from so the reflection of their own behavior is often seen from from the counterpart so it's, it's very intriguing to see
0: you work with obviously a lot of people a lot of different people and they're not always uh, the same as you but i think in the past you've told me you know you look for them to, you, you kind of look for a reflection of yourself in them and when you don't see that reflection you kind of get frustrated how have you been able to overcome
1: that now in the past it was quite simple. Jim, and my old boss, told me uh, a sentence. He said, "Richard, Richard, every account manager creates his own audience, and that's..." Uh, and I said, "Oh, yeah, that must be true." So that was the first experience they had in sales. But it's also very scary because that's exactly what I just said. I, I'm trying to create. I was searching for people who reflect my own behavior, and that was a good fit. And people who reflect another kind of behavior was not a good fit and I tried to avoid them. So I only worked within my own comfort zone to find the, the people that I liked, like a lot of managers do within sales. they try to find their own people, like like reflect like they are, they are themselves. So finding copies from from themselves and not getting the best out of each and every situation based on how you can interact and connect to others because that's out of your comfort zone.
0: Every account executive or every account manager creates their own audience. I'm going to, I took that down as a note. I'm going to, I'm going to use that. That was really good. Richard, I've got to take a a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors, but when we come back, it's going to be time for the money round. So you don't go away and sales sooners, you don't go either. We'll be right back. PipeDrive is the sales CRM built by salespeople for salespeople. I love it because it allows me to visualize my pipeline, highlighting opportunities and potential problems, ensuring I don't drop the important activities and conversations needed. And the managers I work with love it because it's simple and they don't have to nag their team to actually use it. But Sales sooners, don't just take my word for it. You can check it out for yourself for free for 30 days at salessooners.com slash pipedrive. We're back and it's time for the money round. Richard, are you ready for the money round?
1: I'm, I'm born ready, uh, Jim, so give it to me.
0: Born ready. Here we go. Richard, what's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional?
1: That's meeting people that took me out of my comfort zone, that made me do things that I didn't expect to be possible from my own point of view.
0: If you were to start over today in sales, what would you tell yourself to spend the next 30 days doing?
1: Connected to people that are able to get the best out of myself again, but as fast as possible. Find the right people to get the wheels into motion to push the right buttons.
0: Two-part question for you here: Which phrase describes you best, and why? I love to win, or I hate to lose.
1: I hate to lose. I'm I'm a very bad loser. Uh, but also learned when you know it. Uh, I've seen a lot of interviews made with Denzel Washington and a lot of sports people, and it's not about about losing. It's about what you get out of the thing. If, if you learn from the stuff why you lost, it could be a bigger achievement and get you further down the road than just be winning on its own sometimes.
0: Richard, what's a book that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others?
1: Uh, challenge yourself.
0: Sales Tuners. if you'd like to check out Richard's suggestion of the Challenger Sale for free, head on over to salestuners.com book. And there you can sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible and browse their over 150,000 titles. Again, that's salestuners.com book. And I can tell you the Challenger Sale on Audible is absolutely fantastic. I've listened to it about three times just there uh, as opposed to just reading it as well. Richard, what's currently at the top of your bucket list?
1: To be honest, I already did a lot of great stuff and I, I tend to be doing a lot of uh, great stuff uh, for the ongoing years, of course, but I'm not of type of guy that that likes to work to a bucket list uh, because I think each and every day is, is, is a day that you must get the best out of. So being healthy and seeing my kids grow up, meeting the results that I have is, is a bucket list on its own each and every day that I actually meet almost each and every day. So I'm, I'm not the type of guy that works with a bucket list.
0: What's the biggest piece of advice that you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding today?
1: Search for people surrounding you that are able to challenge you and to give you that advice based on the things that you can grow in. So meet the right people that get you further and then and this, so actually connect to people that can coach you and guide you and, and get you a little bit out of your comfort zone because that's where you can grow.
0: Could not agree more with you on that one. It's been critical, critical to my career. I'm going to get you out of here on this one, Richard. How could someone find you or connect with you if they wanted to today after the show?
1: LinkedIn. I'm, I'm, I'm findable on LinkedIn. So, anybody who wants to connect or got a question or want to share anything, more than welcome. Always open for connection.
0: Richard, I'm looking forward to getting to Amsterdam, having that beer with you, and maybe getting on those game consoles as well. But thank you so much for joining me today here on Sales Sooners.
1: All right, Jim. Thank you very much for having me and uh, keep on going with the great work within the community and I think very inspiring all the stuff that you, that you make us share with each other. Thank you very much. Ian.
0: The best way to get in touch with Richard is by sending a personalized note or question on LinkedIn. I always enjoy listening for the nuances of sales and other cultures and really enjoyed today's conversation. Let's get to my top takeaways. Number one, attitude is everything. A trend that I see becoming more and more prevalent every day is new grads thinking they should be able to jump from sales development rep to chief revenue officer. I'll admit, I too thought I knew everything at 22, and 25, and 30, but the more I learned, the more I realized there was to learn. Carrying a learning attitude combined with a personal why will help you climb the rungs quickly. Number two, build your own tools. It's easy to look to your manager or even the company as a whole to provide all the tools you need. Instead, look to them for guidance or a framework and build your own. This forces you to be both adaptable and personally accountable. Knowing something is one thing, but the next step is making it your own. Number three, you create your audience. This whole show is about the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques of sales success. And I think Richard summed it up nicely by saying it's the combination of all three of those things that creates the audience you sell to. The way you ask questions, your ability to read your prospect and put them at ease, whether or not you keep your word. Think hard about whether or not you would buy from yourself. That's it. Those are my takeaways, but I'd love to hear yours. Please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at salestuners.com. I reply to every message that I get. All right, I hope to see you next week where I'll talk to Corey Bray, co-founder of Closed Loop, about how information overload is killing sales teams. Until then, I'm Jim Brown. Let's make it rain. Thanks for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And they stay there. And they stay there. And they stay there. Because all I do is sleep, sleep, sleep. And if you go in here, put your hands in the air, make them stay there. On a phone dial, why does ABC start on the number two? and not the number one.